Hi, this is Bill Hoppy, Buffalo Sabres beat reporter, and welcome to episode 10, a milestone episode, Nick. Episode 10 of Buffalo Press Box. I'm joined by Nick Sabato, Buffalo Bills beat reporter and sports editor of the Naga Gazette. Nick, we have a lot to talk talk about again. Uh, another debacle by the Bills. The Sabres are they're up and down, but they're uh, they've had a couple of decent games now in in a row. Um, but first, the Bills. Uh, this is just stretching on. It's more than just a little slump. They've lost three out of five in this this Bengals game. Just another concerning game. You were there in Cincinnati. Uh, just. What has happened to the offense here? I mean, the offense, I mean, it hit its stride. I know it's over a month ago against Miami, but it hit its stride uh, in that game, and it's completely fallen apart since then. What has happened to it? Clearly, they're just playing possum for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, there's there are, there are several issues. Um, uh, we, we've talked about it several times here. I think they're playing too methodically. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're playing too rigid. And frankly, they're just not being very creative. And not from a, you know, Ken Dorsey not drawing up some wacky play design that no one else has seen before. It's just doing some basic things that could help them. Like, um, they, they don't use motion a ton. Um they didn't use motion a ton very much in against Cincinnati. Um, and, and the motion is essentially it a gives is gives you free information. Um, a lot of times if you motion someone, the defense is going to tip their hand and give you an idea of what they're going to run. Um, it also, obviously you can, you can, you know, motion people to create some mismatches uh, before the snap. Uh, so, uh, you know, just the idea of declining free information is wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you look at the, the Bills, they they motioned on 17 of their 55 plays. And you on the other side of the coin, the Bengals uh, motioned on about half of their plays. I mean, so it, it's just it, it it's just a simple, simple thing. And and it was beneficial to them. I mean, the, the numbers are, are just wild. Like, you know. Allen Allen averaged 13 yards of attempt on on plays in which he he had, he had passes in which he had motion pre snap, and it's almost triple what he had without it. Mm-hmm. So interesting. You would imagine that they if if I can come up with this information, you would imagine that they can. So it, it's it's really wild that they're not getting into some of that stuff, and you know, some of the other stuff too is they're not being overly creative formationally. Um, they like to use a lot of two by two sets, which is, you know, two receivers on each side of the formation. Um, they did it on about half of their plays. You know, you, you look at the Bengals, they, they use that formation 11 times out of 67. It, it's, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that formation, but if you run it over and over and over again, it's not going to be very beneficial to you. I and mean, if you say you do some three by one sets or four by one sets, and that one is Stefan Diggs or Gabe Davis. Maybe you create some one-on-one opportunities for them, or maybe you know if it's if it's certainly Stefan Diggs, you know you force them to bring a safety over to help, and that that leaves more rooms for some of the other guys on the other side of the field. So it, it's just trying to create some mismatches and, and basic things you can do with formations and motions and stuff like that without trying to reinvent the wheel. 
know, players are they're publicly saying they want to play faster. Why don't the coaches listen? Um, you obviously know, um, you know this that that if some if some if a player is telling you something in uh in the locker room. Um, it, it's probably, it's, it's not the first time they're saying it. It's, right. They're going to tell you before, before they tell the, a coach or a teammate or someone like that. So I'm going to guess it's been talked about ad nauseum that, that they have this desire to play faster. And I personally, you know, Sean McDermott said the day after the game that the, the offense has no breaks. Um, Ken Dorsey said they got away from their, their, their tempo stuff after the first drive because they were having some communication issues. I think uh, I think Ken Dorsey is a methodical guy, but I also think that uh, they're kind of trying to, to to play ball control to keep the defense off the field as long as they can. And I just don't think that's a sustainable way to win right now, um, especially when they're only scoring, you know, you know, they score 18 points in a game. And certainly that's not a good way to win. Mm-hmm. I, I think they need to get into some more, um, you know, up-tempo stuff, uh, trying to put as many points on the board as they can. I know they say that all the time, and it's not like they're not trying to square points, but they're trying to shorten the game. And I, I, I think, I don't know, I, I just think that that they have a better chance of winning a shootout than they do. You're not going to beat the Bengals 20-17. to 17. No matter mm-hmm. even if their defense was healthy, they're not going to beat the, the Bengals 20-17. to 17. What's the point in trying? Um. I mean, you look at what the defense did the other night. They were not tremendous at times. But you would figure if someone said going into that game, you're going to hold the Bengals to 24 points, I think you you would like to, like your, your odds of winning that game if you're the Bills. For sure. And uh, But to me, that's that's what it looks like. That's what the signs are pointing to based on the way the Bills are playing defense, the way Sean McDermott is calling games defensively. Um, just you know, they go right down the field and score, and the Bengals answer with their own touchdown, and they come out and try to slow it down. The only re- the only the only conceivable explanation to that is McDermott saying, "Hey, let's let's hold the ball and shorten the game." So you mentioned Ken Dorsey mentioned communication problems. What like what like like, like the this- crowd noise and things like that. Trent, Trent Sherfield um, mentioned communication problems after the game as well, but it was he couldn't really define what those communication problems were. Um, mm. and I, I think it's uh, he he just said they're not on the same page. So I, I think he may have been alluding to something else. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, speculate on that and put put words in a, in a guy's mouth, but. Um, Ken Dorsey was referring to crowd noise. Interesting. Okay. So I was there. It, it wasn't Highmark or Arrowhead. Right. But it, it is the jungle. Do they still call it the jungle? They do. All right. They they had a guy with a with a guitar who played Welcome to the Jungle at certain points of the game. Was it Slash? It wasn't. Oh, okay. And I want to hear it then. Um, so, you know, we talk about the offense and we talk every week about Josh Allen running and this and that, and they started the moving the ball again toward the end when he started running. I mean, why, why has this become a thing where 
they just they're so stubborn about him running even when it breeds success and i know they want to protect him and there's you know there's issues with his shoulder and this and that but i mean there's got to be some happy medium with him him running just to keep i mean defenses honest and so forth i think i think someone's gotten in his ear maybe it's the all that endorsement money rolling in you, you know you want to keep that train rolling as long as you can <laughs> but i mean he was on he was on a podcast with tom brady last week and Brady kind of kind of lectured him about uh, about taking all the hits, and Allen kind of defended himself and said, "You know, you can get you can get hurt in the pocket, which he has three different times, including the last two years." Um, but I think I, I probably would have told Tom Brady if I was Josh Allen that, "Hey, I think if if you could run like me, you would have." Uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of the thing. Like, it that's such a big part of his game. Allen is not a methodical, you know, stand in the pocket, pick you apart kind of quarterback. He is, he is an absolute force of nature. And when you take away his running, you're taking away a pretty big part of his game. Uh-huh. Um, and, and if you look at it, like, you want this Josh Allen for for yeah, maybe it'll it'll long elongate his career. But do you want an extra five years of this Josh Allen? Or would you rather have the one that we've seen in the previous few seasons where he's just an absolute force and he's great? This Josh Allen is good. The Josh Allen who runs and has that element of his game is great. I mean, look at Thurman Thomas. Uh, the Bills probably only got, what, seven, eight years of him out of, you know, being the feature back because he had all those touches, like would anybody trade the seven, eight years to get an average Thurman Thomas for two or three more years? That's a good point. And the bill, I mean, Thurman Thomas's longevity, I guess we should add was for a running back was remarkable for him to basically what was it, 89 through. He played 89, 2000, 2000. He blew out his knee real early in the year, but I mean, the bills drafted Antoine Smith in 96. So we're talking, and I think he had an injury in there too, where he missed some time. But so we're talking four years where he wasn't the feature back. Um, right. So but then, I'm even talking about from 89 to 1996, I think he had at least a thousand yards. Every, he had a thousand yards every year, as far as I remember. And that's he had, I mean, close to 2000 yards scrimmage yards a lot of those years as well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever surpassed 2000, but he was close. I mean, you can there's a whole num- number of guys like Earl Campbell played I think eight or nine years and he was great. I mean, I don't, I don't think any, I don't think that bum Phillips would have traded those eight years to say, you know, if we gave you less carries, maybe, uh, maybe we could, we could have stretched your career another two or three years and you could have been average for that time. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, just be, just be great. I mean, I'd rather, I'd, if I'm, if I'm running a team, I'd rather have a guy be as great as long as he can rather than being good for a longer period of time, especially if you're paying them $252 million. No, I hear you. So, you know, we, we talk about the, you know, we're talking about running backs running the ball. Uh, the Bills running game has been uh, not very good to say the least. Um, James Cook, 20 yards against the Bengals, only six carries. I mean, it was looking, it you know, in September, it felt like he was going to be that feature back that everyone envisioned. And now here we are 
he hasn't been over 80 yards in about six weeks. I mean, Latavius Murray hasn't been as effective. They signed Leonard Fournette for the practice squad. I mean, what do the Bills do here with the running game? Well, I, I think a big part of the running game is the fact that they don't stretch the field enough in mm-hmm. the passing game. Um, the Bills have, I believe it's 27, maybe it's 20, 29 um, plays of, of uh, 20 yards or more this season. Through nine games last year, they had 40. Jeez. Um, they were over 30 in 2021, so that's a big part of it. Is everybody everybody is kind of sitting on them a little bit. And the other part is they ran they they ran a lot of RPOs um the other day. Um I don't think Allen is particularly tremendous at the at the at the read part of that. Um I, I think he'd rather throw the ball out of those, but he's he's not tremendous at picking and choosing, reading the defense as to when to hand it off and when to throw. Mm-hmm. It's almost always throw, but I don't think James Cook is getting a lot of advantageous um, fronts to run against right now. Um, And, you know, he kind of hurts himself a little bit and he can't pass protect very well. And that's a, that's a problem. I mean, that's partly why you're seeing a lot of Latavius Murray in late game situations. I think, the last drive of the game was Latavius Murray because he can pass protect better. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe that leads to, to Leonard Fournette eventually um, getting on the, getting on the active roster at some point. Um, we'll see. They, he said, I think he told the Buffalo news two to four weeks to, to, to learn the playbook, which is, it's a really long time. Um, and part of that is the, playbook is too complicated we've heard that from multiple players as well <laughs> um so we'll see we'll see what, what about about leonard fournette but if they want to run the ball a josh allen has to be better with the with the the read part of the uh the rpo and they have to stretch the field a little bit all right so joe burrow when the Bengals picked apart the Bills against the Blitz. So, I mean, why, if if the Bills are getting picked apart, why, why does Sean McDermott keep bringing it? He had, and Burrow had, I think, 180 yards against the Blitz. That was more than half of his yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not the first time we've talked about that. Mac Jones got him, torched him against the Blitz. Trevor Lawrence in the second half torched them against the Blitz. Um I think some of it is to mask an aging safety tandem um, on the back end. Um, I think some of it is you've got a banged up defensive line. Um, Obviously Vaughn isn't healthy and that's what a lot of people are talking about, but I don't think Greg Rousseau's foot is healthy. Um, Leonard Floyd has been battling an ankle sprain for most of the regular season. I don't think that's necessarily healthy Ed Oliver had a foot issue I don't think that's necessarily healed yet. Um, so they're not winning with four rushers right now. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a combination of the two things there. Um, the, the, you just want to try and get the get to them as quick as you can. But the problem with that is if you don't get there, you're in trouble. 
we talked about the the banged up safety tandem or the, the aging safety tanning tandem. Jordan Poyer has been using been used a lot in in blitz packages, and Micah Hyde has the last couple of weeks as well. Um, Poyer, in fact, has been playing um, some linebacker and dime packages to get uh, Taylor Rapp on the field. Um, but when you when you blitz and you don't get there, and they didn't. They didn't get any sacks off the blitz against the Bengals. Um, you've got some pretty, pretty unhealthy one-on-one matchups. In particular, I mean, Micah Hyde has struggled in some of these one-on-one matchups. He's he's been forced to 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 play recently. So uh, why I you you would think that maybe at some point you just you just play coverage and 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 think that that's going to be a better a better option. I mean, when, when you're giving up 11, 11 yards per attempt on, against the blitz and six, wow. six against, you know, without the blitz, I don't know. That seems like simple math to me. Definitely. I just ran into my head. That's about a five yard difference. Just about a little more. I'm going to, I'm going to double check that. That, that St. Bonaventure education for you. That's right. Did you graduate right. high school? Did I graduate high school? Yes. Are you sure? I'll double check that too. Nursery school? I didn't go to nursery school. So, all right. <laughs> so, Nick, can they, the Broncos on the Monday night, this this would have seemed like an unfathomable question just a few weeks ago, but uh, can they beat the Broncos? I mean, the Broncos are not a good team. I mean, the Bills are home from Monday night. I mean, this seemed like a huge, not that long ago, a huge uh, gimme game and a quote unquote easy game. But I mean, can, can they beat the Broncos? Can they beat the Broncos? Yes. Um, you would like to think it's going to be a blowout, but those games, you would have thought the Patriots would have been a blowout. You would have thought the Buccaneers would have been a blowout. Um, the Broncos, since since Miami put seventy on them, have have gotten better. I mean, they're still not scoring points, but um, I know they, they held the Chiefs to, to less than 20. They played a couple of strong games against Mahomes, and they beat the, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. So certainly the Broncos can 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 come to Buffalo and win um, if the Bills don't play well. And, I mean, if, if the Bills don't play well and they lose, especially and they lose, mm-hmm. um, you'd have to imagine that, that – Somebody loses their job after that, and I think oh my. I think odds point to Ken Dorsey. Obviously, if they lose and don't score points and don't play well, and it's the lot you're not going to fire the head coach right away. I don't think. Um, but if they lose, I mean, you can certainly you can almost cross playoffs off the list if they lose to the Broncos, um, and I, it just it would seem unfathomable that they could lose to the Broncos, but. They've just been a weird team. It just it just hasn't clicked in the last five weeks. Well, I mean, it seems unfathomable that it's, you know, we're recording this on November 8th. We're talking about the Bills being one loss out of, from, you know, falling out of playoff contention or whatever. I mean, week and, 10. And week 10. I mean, that, that to me is insane. So, I mean, the thought of Dorsey losing his job in C, like, who, so who would even replace him, say? Um, the logical 
the logical uh, person to replace him would be Joe Brady, the quarterback's coach, who um, was the was essentially the de facto offensive coordinator for that LSU national championship team with Burrow and Jamar mm-hmm. Chase and Justin Jefferson. Um, and then he was hired in Carolina when Matt Rule got the job and ended up being the fall guy there. Um, and Matt Rule ended up getting fired anyways. Uh, but Mike Shula is also also on the staff. He was the offensive coordinator for the Panthers uh, when they went to Super Bowl. Um, McDermott was the defensive coordinator on that team, obviously. Um, he's 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 around. Um, I, I might um, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him that that opportunity. Uh, Rob Boris uh, is the tight ends coach. He was the offensive coordinator for the Rams uh, near the end of Jeff Fisher's run there. Um, didn't have a whole lot to work with. I, I would I would think that he's a, a long shot, but you're probably Mike Shuler or Joe Brady. Mike Shula might be the only Bills coach who played in the NFL. Does that sound right? Um but not Leslie Frazier's not on the staff anymore. I think that might be correct. I believe Mike Shula played for the Buccaneers. Well, I don't know if he got any action, but he was on the Buccaneers, so that might be correct. Mark Carrier, you see Mark Carrier around, um, right? But he's not a he's uh, he's, he's something not on else. The staff. Mark Carrier, a very underrated wide receiver in the nineties, late eighties, even I think. Yes, so, at a time when there were two Mark Carriers in the NFL. That's right. I think they were both Pro Bowl. I think Mark Carrier, the receiver, got a Pro Bowl at one point. I know he Mark Carrier, have... the defensive back, did the Bears. I just remember the receiver was one of the bright spots for the Buccaneers back in the day. So, With all right. Uniforms. So, what's that? With those sweet uniforms. That's right, that they're wearing again. Yeah. So, all right, prediction time. Um, I think the Bills are going to win. I think it'll be low scoring, a lot more low scoring than I would have predicted a few weeks ago. I say they win 20 to 13. What do you think? One new thirteen. Wow, you're not expecting much much uh, offensive improvement, are you? No, the days of me predicting uh, uh, forty four to ten are over. I thought you'd you you predict uh, fifty. <laughs> get off the, get off the Schneid. Um, no, twenty to thirteen. They haven't scored thirty since since week four. It's the longest stretch um, for the Bills since twenty nineteen. That really wow. Yes. Yes. And it's the longest stretch they've gone without scoring 25 since 2018. Jeez. 2018, the last playoffless year, I believe, right? 2018 was the last playoffless year. Yeah. It was Allen's rookie year. Mm hmm. I'm going to say they, I'm going to say they, they, they get, I don't want to say back on track. I'm going to say they, they get, they get, some normalcy and score 30. I'll say 31-17. All right. Bills. I picked the Bengals last week. I'll pick the Bills this week. All right. All right. Back in our our listeners' good graces. Yes. Yes. So, so. this isn't this isn't a Homer a Homer podcast, Bill. I know, I know. Just because Buffalo's in the name doesn't mean we always have to pick them. I hear you. Unless hear they want to start paying our bills. <laughs> And I mean, we're we're open for business on that on that front. Um, sure are. 
so bill now now we, we we're on the we're on the predictions you you hit some out of the park last week with the sabers uh you were you were right on a number of fronts since you you picked um you said upl was going to have a good stretch that was that was one of your your predictions there and he did um the sabers split a home and home with the flyers they got thumped by the flyers late in they did. Egg. and then they came out and beat the Maple Leafs in a, in a pretty exciting game. So are, are the Sabres uh, back on track? How big was that, uh, that response in Toronto, even though they lost to the to the hurricanes in overtime? It was a huge response. I mean, they, 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 they split a home and home with the flyers in Philly. They, they won pretty big, but they just didn't play that well. And then they came home and they just got, they got wowed by them. And it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was five to one. It felt like it was about eight nothing. I mean, what it was just it was just a bad, bad game. And we saw at the end. I mean, Dylan Cousins, who's a very, very passionate player. I mean, he got so frustrated. He fought Garnett Hathaway. I mean, he shouldn't have done that. And he got that was ugly. Yeah, it, it, it was a bad fight, and it, it's cost him two games. I mean, he he skated. He practiced today. He had the full shield on. He had something covering his nose. He had a black eye. What was covering so, his nose? I saw that. I couldn't make out quite what it was. Some sort of, I, I don't know, some sort of protector. But I mean, I've he, never seen it before. Yeah, he so he probably has a broken nose from that. And he'll probably, I would think, I mean, he says he can play this weekend probably. He's probably going to have to wear that full shield in a game for a little bit at least. So he is, I mean, he has that broken nose, but that, that, I mean, he got so frustrated and here it cost him a couple games, but it was, it was that bad an effort. I mean, they just, I mean, the Flyers are a team you kind of expect, expect them to beat. And they just, they had nothing that night. It was, it was a disappointing game from the standpoint, you know, they had beaten the Flyers. It was a big Friday night crowd. I think people were amped to see something they had beaten the avalanche earlier in the week and they were going for their i guess their third straight win and uh, nothing but the next night in toronto just they, they bounced back with really a, a terrific win um just a seesaw game every time toronto answered they didn't flinch and there were some some good takeaways from that game i mean devin levi came back and I mean, his first game, I mean, he, he didn't make any spectacular saves and he still gave up five goals, but he was very sharp. He stopped some early shots on the power play. And the, one of the other big takeaways is just uh, Alex Tuck, uh, a two goal game. I mean, he like Don Granato said after that game, that was like the first game where Alex Tuck really looked like Alex Tuck. And it was, it was much needed. I mean, the Sabres are a different team when he's on his game. So those were, I mean, that was, to come back from that Friday night debacle with that, that kind of win, you know, in Toronto against, you know, your, your fiercest rival was, was really uh, one of the top wins this season. And then, you know, they lose Tuesday in Carolina, another back and forth game. Um, I don't, when you lose in a place like Carolina and you still get a point, I mean, it's not the end of the world, in my opinion. I mean, you take the point, you move on the Sabres. I don't think they played poorly. They didn't play great or anything but it was it was it was an okay effort well enough to win you mentioned alex tuck obviously he had the two goals at the end of the game there um jeff skinner i i i I told you he kind of set up uh that first goal just he didn't get an assist but he just he just had a shift where he would just outworked everybody for the puck and came Mm -hmm. able to come up with every puck 
And then, you know, they worked it around nice. I think I think Skinner got Clifton, Clifton to Darlene, and Darlene's shot kind of ricocheted off at Tuck. You talked to Tuck after the game, and you, you wrote a story about him. Um, did did getting getting pegged with that puck really, really get him back on track? <laughs> it, well, it, it could. He had been building toward that. Um, I don't think he had been scoring a ton of goals, but he had been clearly creating more offense and – and, and and getting back in a groove, but yeah, that, I mean, just it's amazing what the puck going in the net can do for you. It just it it deflects off your leg or your stick, or you you don't even mean to uh, deflect it, and it goes in, and it just changes it just changes your whole outlook, your fortunes. It boosts your confidence, and and yeah, that that puck hit him might have hit him high or something, but uh, it goes in and it's a huge goal. And then later in the game, he scores an empty net goal and it, I mean, an empty net goal, whatever, but I mean, he, he chipped it by two guys. He beat them to the puck and it was pretty nice empty net goal. So he carried that over into Tuesday's game. I mean, his goal Tuesday was terrific. I mean, he, JJ Paterka got the puck out front after he had fallen to the ice, but uh, Alex Tuck, stole it right from a Hurricanes player and put it in the net. So uh, it's no coincidence that the Sabres have earned three out of four points with Alex Tuck uh, scoring three goals in that stretch. And, I mean, he has three goals and nine points in his last seven games, and he had one assist in his first six games. So, I mean, he's he's building that, like, he hasn't, like, you know, he's starting to look like last year. Sorry, I believe I'm a goal off there somewhere. He he had another goal in there somewhere, I believe. Well, but that, um, that empty net goal that certainly wasn't your 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 average empty net goal. No, it wasn't. I mean, and, and just uh, again, an empty an empty net goal, like whatever. But I mean, it's a goal that clinches the game. It was the I play mean, to get to the the empty net goal, right? Just you know, beating two guys to the, you know, out, outworking two guys and beating them to the puck and, and icing the game. I mean, just the puck going in the net, no matter how it goes in the net, I mean, just it changes things. So uh, he could very well be on his way to getting back to kind of last season. I mean, he, he had a remarkably co- consistent year last year. I mean, if you have 36 goals and over a point a game, you're going to have some of that consistency. Uh, he certainly... Uh, looks like that player again these last couple. So, sir, I, I did have his stats correct. Uh, three goals and nine points in his last seven. Right. So, there you go. I you, thought I was you, off one. Did you did you consult with the research team again? I uh, I I was just got off the phone with my fact checker. There you go. Um, the Panthers. I I think they or the the Hurricanes. I'm sorry, not. I'm thinking Carolina Panthers tomorrow on Thursday. This is well. this is the hockey segment, okay? We're talking hockey now. I need you in hockey mode. It's it's the same <laughs> state, Bill. The same right. state, but the Hurricanes. I I thought they had they had some chances to win. Um, Casey Middlestead had a couple of of open nets and just just couldn't get it get it where he wanted it to go. Um, Ranton and made made a nice play on one to just kind of cut off an angle, even though there was a some open net. I someone else. There was there's a whole sequence there um with an open net um that they, they just they just couldn't get it. I think Greenway had a shot at it as well. Um obviously there was the the circus save that, that Ranton made uh during the game. 
Um, and then, you know, they, they still get it to overtime. Rasmus Dahlin had a just phenomenal goal um, to get him there. And then they kind of control the first part of overtime. And then they got, they just, they got their, their three guys good. You know, it was, um, was it Millstat Power? Who was the third man? Was it Tuck? I think it was Tuck. Tuck. You know, they, they got caught on the ice. Um, 90 think, seconds. They were out there the entire overtime. Yeah. U, UPL uh, misplayed a puck. You know, you thought he could have frozen it. That that would have been the safe play. Um, I, I don't know if he thought he had more time when he tried to play it. It just, there wasn't enough urgency uh, playing it. But overall, how did you think that that UPL played? I thought he played fine. I mean, I thought he was terrific. He made a, a big save on a breakaway early. And he, he's really been in tune. He's he's To me, he's looking like, and it's again, it's small sample size, but uh, it, to me, he's looking like that difference-making goalie, a number one type that people envision. And he, he shut out the avalanche. He didn't have a the best game against uh, the Flyers the second game, but I mean that's I mean that's more of a that's more of a team thing. I don't peg any of the goals on him, but he I mean he, he whatever he let up five goals, but he's put together a nice stretch here to the point where Devin Levi's back, and the plan is really to alternate games. So uh, he'll probably he probably won't play. Uh, Friday against the Wild, but he'll play in Pittsburgh. So I think uh, it's a position of strength for the Sabres. I mean, they don't have that, you know, 28-year-old number one that's uh, uh, a top, whatever, 10 goalie in the league, but they have two of the game's best young goalies right now uh, sharing time, and there's worse things. I mean, a lot of people have kind of cried for them, you know, or cried that they should have done something in the off season. And, and, and part of me understands that, but I mean, they have Levi, they have Lukanen, they have Eric Comrie, who's played very well. There wasn't really anything better out there that they were going to find. So I think uh, they're in a, they're in a pretty good position right now. I mean, they, to have those guys sharing time, isn't the worst thing. If 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 someone told Don Granado that they needed to, you know, they, they needed to win you know, against the Wild to make the playoffs this weekend, who starts that? Who starts that game? Right now, I'd probably say Lukanen, just because he's played more recently than. Uh, what's that? He's been better. He's been better. Yeah, I mean, well, he's played more games recently than Levi, and probably if you if you judge them against judge them against each other, he's probably been a, a little bit better. I mean, he has that shutout and everything. Uh, just watching him, he looks he's gotten better at reading the play. I think he's he's obviously a big guy. I think he's more composed. So yeah, I, I choose Levi, or excuse me, I choose Lucan in right now. Uh, you know, a, a one game winner take all. I choose him right now but i mean Le- levi in my opinion has been has been fine i mean it's funny because we've entered a new phase in the nhl where there's so much talent goal scoring you know has reached a, a really good level again uh a fun level whatever you want to call it just where <laughs> stars can be stars and rack up numbers where goalies are going to play good and they're going to give up four goals i mean and and in the not so distant past, that really wasn't the case. But I mean, I thought Devin Levi, 
He gave up four goals on Saturday against the Maple Leafs, but I thought he played well. He's a, the Sabres need a, a, a big goaltender to, to make up for, for Steve Shields not panning out all those years ago. Steve Shields. He had a big win in the 97 playoffs. Yeah, of course, he had the big fight as well. That's right. And then he was traded to, what, the, the Sharks? That sound right? Something like that. Yeah. Was he at an expansion thing? No, I think trade? he was traded, wasn't he? I'm not sure. Yes, but it was it was related to expansion because they were going to lose him if it wasn't a trade. Or yes, excuse me, if it wasn't a whatever it was. Anyway, speaking speaking of improvement, Ryan Johnson has been been recalled. We talked about him pretty extensively throughout um, the the rookie camp and then and then training camp, um, and he just kind of lost out on a numbers game um, for the final cutdowns, but. Didn't play very much in his first game, um, but then he, he's it. He's it seems like he's he's figuring it out though. You know, a couple of games in here, especially with he's, with Samuelson out. Yeah, he certainly is, and he played almost twenty minutes on Tuesday with Rasmus Dahlin, and and for, to to have a guy in his second NHL game play be paired with Rasmus Dahlin, and he did play a little bit with him uh, on Saturday, but to pair a guy with Rasmus Dahlin his second game and to play meaningful minutes. Uh, he was on the ice at the end of regulation. I mean, that's, that's significant speaks to the belief they have in him. And if you want to rewind this a little bit, uh, Ryan Johnson, he played four years at Minnesota. So he came out of school, a pretty polished prospect and they gave him a long look in the preseason. And it seemed like he would be up here sooner than later. Where'd he play in his USHL days? Uh, Sioux City. Where was it? Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. Stampede. He was there. His his year there was my first year in South Dakota. But I never. We never got to the. We went to one Stampede game, and it was it was uh post COVID. I mean, maybe it was pre COVID, but it was after Johnson had left. I think he's already at Minnesota. See, I knew it was a Sioux. So, um, but he had a very nice. I mean, talk about uh. His college career, his USHL career was, um, I think he won a championship in 2019, maybe, right before the Sabres drafted him. That's that's the year he played for the Stampede. He had uh, 25 points in 54 games. Did you just, uh, now, are you recalling that from memory, or are you just, uh, did you did get win, on? They did win a Clark Cup in 2019. Yeah. I'm consulting uh, the research team. Yeah, okay, you're on the phone with the research team, okay. Um, I'm glad we got that second line. Mm. But if uh, anyway, he he was he, he was a guy. He came out of college, a pretty finished, mature prospect. They gave him a long look in the preseason, and it seemed like he would get a recall soon. Now, having said that, uh, when Mat- Matthias Samuelson went down, my first thought was, no, they're not going to recall him. Though. They'll recall Riley Stillman or, or or someone else and just someone with a little more experience and maybe give him a little more time in the minors. But, I mean, after nine games, they thought he was ready. They eased him in against the Maple Leafs. He, he was kind of that 6-7. They dressed 7-D that game. He was kind of that 6-7-D. Made a nice well, pass. Yes, he made a nice, very nice pass to Jeff Skinner. I mean, just got the puck above the right circle, cross ice to the far blue line and set up a goal. Um, 
but in you know less than nine minutes of ice time, he he impressed them. He impressed them, and uh, he parlayed that into uh, Tuesday's effort, Tuesday's assignment. And I mean, he, he's he's playing over Jacob Bryson now. I mean, Jacob Bryson played Saturday. Now he he was a healthy scratch again against the Hurricanes. So I mean, it it, it I wrote about this today. It, it kind of begs the question: the Sabers are in win now mode. I mean. Matias Samuelson should be back, I would think, within a a week or two. Who's the odd man now? Yeah, I mean, do I mean if Ryan Johnson's one of your six best defensemen that gives you the chance to win? I mean, do you keep him up? Like what? Like how, how do you handle that? What do you do? And it's a good problem to have. I mean, the Sabers defense core, uh, not that long ago, did not have. Uh, a lot of depth and and to be talking about you, you know adding a first round pick uh that's forced his way onto the roster i mean that's a good problem to have so we'll see how this plays out but i could see him making a push to stick but having said that, i mean it, it's very early he's who, who, who do you think if he were to stick who would be whose spot would he take in the lineup i mean you just signed clifton to a, what, a three-year deal i believe it was right you just signed Eric Johnson. Obviously, that's not a one-year deal, but he's a former number one overall pick, Stanley Cup winner, um, played a lot of minutes in his career. You wouldn't, you know, a guy like that doesn't sign, you know, right. to, to be a healthy scratch. And obviously, you're not going to scratch Power and Darlene and Samuelson. So who's who's the odd man out? That's a good question, and I I quite honestly forgot Jokey Haru in there as well. But don't I? Yeah, I don't know who you scratch. That's the problem. Um, a lot of these times, these things work themselves out just because there's an injury. Um, yeah. I mean, defensemen are always at a premium. You're going to need a whole lot of them during the course of a year usually. So there will be other opportunities for him to, even if he goes back down, there will be other opportunities for him to get the lineup, but yeah, a good problem. And, but to answer your question, I, I I'm not sure who would be pushed out because I can't really make a case for pulling anyone out. I mean, uh, Connor Clifton. I mean, yeah, uh, he he's I think he's had the impact they they wanted. I mean, he's he's a pretty fierce <laughs> fierce hitter out there, and I think he can get in the other team's head. I mean, we saw him uh, last night or the in uh, Saturday. I mean, he had a terrific rush, hit a joined the rush and had a terrific scoring chance. He was he, out of position on a great pass by Middlestat, though. Was he? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, that stuff happens, but. But yeah, so there's no one, time. there's no one that you say, oh, we can pull this guy. But I mean, he is making a case, albeit it's very early to stick around. So if they, if they were to keep Johnson, does Bryson clear waivers? Um, I don't know. I mean, he makes he doesn't make a ton of money, but I mean, it's hard to add any sort of money during the season that that that's not you know under a million dollars. I mean, even a million and a half or two million or whatever. I mean, that can be hard for teams to add. I'm not sure. I don't think. I think they view Jacob Bryson as an asset. I don't know if they'd want to waive him when Ryan Johnson could just go back to the minors and they wouldn't have to. Well, if they were going to keep him, I mean, if they were going to keep him. Right, right. But, I mean, if one defenseman has to sit out, maybe they just say, all right, Ryan, you'll be back soon. Go down to Rochester and play. So, 
I'm not sure what happens, but they do. They do have. They do have. I mean, they they could have roster spots to 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 gain. You know, with Savoy and Benson uh, going back to juniors at some point, but then of course, you know, they also have to make room when they sign Patrick Kane. Oh boy. Uh, Um, but but sure. Before before we get there, Savoy's debut that's coming. Um, when is it coming, Bill? It sounds like it might come this weekend. I mean, they play, as I said, uh, back to back. They have, uh, you know, they have some guys they could pull. I mean, you could pull Victor Olafson out of the lineup again. I don't think it's tough to find room for him. So you were you were, you were high on Olafson coming into the year. What hasn't what hasn't worked out for him? I just don't. Well, number one, he's not scoring. I mean. He's not scoring, obviously. But I mean, I just don't. He's not hard enough to play against. He's not. He's not. He's not much of a, a two way player. He's too one dimensional, and I think that's that's ultimately what what what's hurt him. I mean, but yeah, right now no goals either. But I will I will say in in Saturday's game, he came back in the lineup and he. he he won a puck battle along the wall and he drew a penalty and that, I mean, that's more of what they need. They just need more tenaciousness from him. I mean, um, if you can do stuff like that, I mean, goals will come. I mean, he, he, he's capable of doing it. They just need to see stuff like that more consistently. I mean, if he was scoring 40 goals and playing on the top two lines, I don't think his defensive uh, deficiencies would be that big of a deal, but he's not on either front. Right. I mean, when, when guy, I mean, if a guy scores that much, you kind of look the other way sometimes just because he, he brings so much in another facet. But even last year when he, he was scoring in the 20s, I mean, he reached a when he scored 28, but I mean, whenever it was in the March. Why 28 goals in Sabres history? Right. But I mean, whenever it was in March when he had 20 some goal. I mean, he reached a point where it's like they had to pull him out of the lineup because he just wasn't doing enough. And uh, this year he hasn't even gotten to one. So who do you, who do you think Savoy plays with when he, when he finally gets the call? They've, they've put some guys in some big situations. Your, your pal, Brandon, Brandon Biro, uh, Biro, whatever you want to call him. Um, Marty Baron without the N, um, right away goes up and 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 plays with with Tage Thompson. Um, you know Johnson goes and plays with Darlene in his second game. Don Granado is not afraid to put these young guys. Obviously, Benson had some time with Thompson. He had a lot of time with Thompson and and uh, Skinner and Thompson and the Greenway cousins and I mean, Don Granado is not afraid to put put the kids with with in big situations. No, he's not. I mean, he he wants to put them in situation situations to succeed. And I, th- I mean, I'm not sure who we play with. I mean, right now, Thompson and Tuck and Skinner. I mean, you're not. I, I don't think you break that up. I mean, the other day he practiced with um, uh, Peyton Krebs and Luke Lukash Rusek. So I mean, that's a possibility. Um, that's probably the 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 most likely spot for him if I had to pick a spot right now but um maybe with Krebs on that if you would call it the third line um but I, I think as much as they want to put him in this position to succeed they're gonna I mean they'll ease him in too I mean he's a he's a center he's probably gonna play wing 
I don't envision him getting a, a ton of minutes. I mean, I think they they want to make this easy on him too. Um, but at some point, Friday or Saturday, or if not this weekend, then next week, he'll he'll get a look. Um, Biro, your your man, you called it. He came. You've been you've been touting him. He came up and played well, <laughs> uh, and then abruptly got injured. When when is he due back? I think he's eligible to come back this weekend. Is he not? Uh, he was placed on IR. I, I forgot the day, so he has to be out a week. Um, I think he's he could play against the Penguins. So uh, I'm not sure what they'll do when he comes back, if they throw him back in. I mean, they like him a lot, um, or if they just send him back down. I mean, Lu- right now, Rusek's still on the roster. Um, he's played a couple games. He hasn't played a big minutes. He hasn't really done a lot. So if I had to pick... Uh, Byro Rusek, I'd go with Byro, but um, they've really, I mean, Rochester's had been raided. Uh, they've had some recalls. They've had a ton of injuries and they're, they're really hurting up front now. Well, too bad for them, I guess. Well, that's a farm team though. That's the point of a farm team to, you know, you serve your NHL team. They haven't, they haven't, uh, they haven't, taking Kulik yet, and I'd imagine that's coming at some point. At some point it'll come, yeah. I just, I think... You're having a nice season. He's having a very nice season, but, I mean, he's another guy, as, as good as he is and as almost dominant as he can be down there, I still think he's a little raw. And I, I, I think the Sabres have just made a decision that they want him to pay his dues, and he'll get his recall at some point, but I, I think they just want him to Stay down there and focus on that. So, Bill, if you if you it's prediction time since you wouldn't you make me do the predictions. Um, when are the Sabres going to sign Patrick Kane? Oh my gosh! Never. <laughs> putting you're putting it putting it on the books. Never. All right, go ahead. Never. It's my take. Never. I don't think they'll sign him either. Um, but I know, I know that, that it gets your, it grinds your gears to bring it up. So. Yeah, yeah, it does. So speaking of speaking of something along those lines, after after the Sabers got hammered by the Flyers Friday, there were there were people on on social media, um, the hellscape that it is, um, huh. calling calling for, for Don Granato to either be fired or be on the hot seat. How ludicrous is that? It, it's beyond ludicrous to the point. I didn't, I mean, it's like, I don't even want to address it. Uh, uh, the ebb and flow of a hockey season is, I mean, you're going to, you're going to lose and you're going to lose a lot of games. I mean, you're not going to go uh, uh, 72 and 10. It's just not the way it is. And there's going to be losses and there's going to be bad losses. And I mean, just for, for people to think like that is ludicrous. It really is. I mean, for all the turnover we've seen, you know, with the Sabres in the last 10 plus years and all the turmoil and, and just, I mean, to have a coach like him, I mean, the stability he's brought and the, the growth he's brought, I mean, just, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that can get into people's heads. You just can't, you can't change coaches all the time. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't... obviously, pro- professional sports coaches in a lot of ways are interchangeable. 
we've I think we've seen that you know what what Bilesma came up halfway through the year and did he get to a cup or was that the year he won it? No, that's the year they won it. Oh eight oh nine, the Penguins won it. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux was you know had a deep run when he got he got the Capitals job midway through the year. So I mean, there there's some there's some interchangeability there, but you also just can't fire coaches willy nilly and say here's the new guy go play for him. Yeah, I, I just I I can't believe that would get into people's heads. I mean, Don Gringano's uh, the best coach they've had since Lindy Ruff. I mean, he's he's been he's brought so much to the Sabers. I mean, I think people need to stop and realize the growth they've seen the past two or three years. I mean, obviously, I, I think firing Lindy Ruff probably had to happen, you know, in hindsight to get a reboot. Because they just had so many, so many veterans on the roster, and it just it wasn't getting them where they wanted to be. And I don't think Lindy Ruff would have wanted to be part of what they eventually went through with the tanking and all that business. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I don't know that he that even that it was it's tough to fire a guy like that even then like. So he's he was good then, but not now. This doesn't make any sense to me, you know. Right. Um, but I don't know, it, it's the easy thing to do now in sports. It's because I I don't know what else is wrong with him. So let's fire the coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we talked about you know maybe changes coming if the Bills were to lose to the Broncos, and maybe it'd be deserved at that point, but. It's not like they're going to get better right away by firing the offensive coordinator. I mean, how often does that happen where you fire the offensive coordinator in the middle of the year and all of a sudden get better? It just doesn't happen very often. And just, I mean, the idea that that people think that Sean McDermott could get fired and you know, maybe if, if they just implode and never don't win another game, yeah, I'd be probably get fired after the season. But the guy's gone to four, four you've gone to the playoffs four years in a row. He's 13 and three, two of the last three years. And his leash is, is, is pretty long. I mean, but that's where we are now. We're just, nah, let's fire the coach. We're not playing well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the grass isn't always greener. I mean, and sometimes when these guys are gone, I mean, you wish you could have them back. I mean, when Lindy Ruff left, I mean, and he had a lot of supporters in this town and still does. But when Lindy Ruff left, I mean, you quickly realized how much the Sabres missed him and, and how good a coach he was. Well, part of it is they, they, they hired a stick in the mud to replace him. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they shouldn't have hired Ron Rolston to replace Lindy Ruff. I mean, let's, let's be honest. No, but I mean, to, and then to be fair to Ron Rolston, I mean, he was put in just a ridiculous situation. Yeah, that was that was bananas. Um, but I mean, Don Granato, it's it's almost like the Sabres, especially like you get a taste of hope and a small taste of success, and you forget so quickly how bad it was before that before he got the job, like. Yeah, I mean, take a step for back. sure, for sure. No, he, he's he's the job he's done has been terrific, in my opinion, and it's uh, 
I mean, there's so many things that go into it, but I mean, the way he's just uh, settled them down and, and got them into growth mode. Now they're in a different mode. I think he's, I think he's done well. I mean, I, I think obviously there's, you know, players often like the coach that they have. Um, and nobody ever wants to see anybody get fired. I don't think in a few circumstances, there's always somebody who's happy, but um but this particular group, it seems like I think they'd probably be outraged if if anyone considered firing uh, Don Granado. Yeah, they would. They would. I mean, and rightfully so. <laughs> no, I think his and I think his job is safe. Yes, it is. And, it should be. <laughs> well, and to be clear, Terry Pagula is not paying not paying buyouts to two coaches, so it's it's one or the other. That's right. Well, Bill, what's uh what what do you see over the next uh next few days here and into the weekend for the Sabers? Well, I mean the the game against, as I said, the game against the Hurricanes. I mean, it wasn't the greatest game ever, but they played well enough to win. I mean, they can still take some momentum out of that if if you want to look at it like that. And they're going to face a struggling Minnesota Wild team at home. They're going to play a Penguins team that isn't really that good, quite honestly. I mean, they still have some names for sure, but they're not really that great a team. So I think, uh, I mean, there's four points there for them to take. I mean, they're they're probably better than those two teams, in my opinion. And at a certain point, I mean, they're 500. I mean, at a certain point, they're going to need to go on a little run here and just move up the standings and grab some points. And this is as good an opportunity as any. At what point? At what point do they have to start stringing some games together, some wins together, before it's concerning to you, postseason wise? Well, I mean, I mean, they're still the. I mean, the, I mean, they'd like to have a better record, of course, but they're still in good shape. I mean, they they need to do it soon, where they they get a little above five hundred. I mean, they don't have to win ten in a row, and they don't have to do it uh, starting Friday. But I mean. At a certain point, they're going to have to rattle off, get out of this win-win, lose-one, right. and, and, and win three in a row, four in a row, win four out of five. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. You know, three out of four, four out of five. I think it's it probably got to happen before, let's say, Christmas. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you don't want to be 500 at Christmas. But again, even if they were 500 at Christmas, I mean, they would still be in okay shape. Not the best shape, but they'd be still be okay. <laughs> right. with it with a young a young banged up team at the moment that's right but i mean they you know they have some injuries but um i mean they've been lucky i mean matthias samuelson i mean for him it sounds like he's not going to miss much more than a week or two i mean you take that i mean because of just the way he plays uh he's he plays a lot of minutes against top opponents and he's a gritty guy he's it, it, he's gonna get hurt so uh if you lose him for a week or whatever then okay i mean they've been lucky there i mean eric Comrie gets hurt when he's playing well and he misses he's probably gonna miss at least a few weeks but they have uh two other goalies who are playing pretty well so i mean they have good depth i mean matthias samuelson gets hurt and ryan johnson can come up so uh, they're in pretty good shape that way. 
have you have you notified them to be the emergency goaltender if if two guys go down? Well, I have two in my parents' basement. I have two pair of Milex street hockey pads. Um, I bet they let you wear them. I don't know if they're regulation, but uh, they're at least one of the pairs at least is in pretty good shape. <laughs> so there you go. All right, there is there is some good. Some good insight from Bill. You can you can follow him on Twitter at Bill Hoppy NHL, the, the fastest fastest Twitter finger on on the beat. If <laughs> if, if someone scores a goal, Bill is going to be the first one to tweet it out, almost guaranteed. Wow, that's worth the follow right there, huh? It is. It is. <laughs> if if you don't if you don't like hitting the refresh button all the time, you got to follow Bill. Uh, that's what I was doing in Cincinnati. I got All to right. watch, I got to watch some of it, but I was watching the computer, so it was a little, it was a little delayed, and and I was refreshing and constantly. Bill, Bill's the first man, first man in the mix. All right. Well, you can I... you can also read his stuff on on uh, the buffalohockeybeat.com, The most insightful. Sports writer on the on the Sabres beat is Bill, so make sure well, you, you go. To I don't know about website. that, but thank you, <laughs> Bill. Bill, you need to work on your self promotion. Oh, all right. The F, Bill is not usually normally you know, he's not usually this gracious. That's right. Off the air, I'd be uh, reaming you out <laughs> for not for not saying all these nice things about him. Right. <laughs> anyway, all right. You know, you Bill, we, a... didn't, we didn't put a wager on tonight's big game. What? What's the big game? Niagara versus St. Bonaventure women's basketball. Oh. Um, Niagara won big. Did they? So you 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 lucked out. But we, the men the men are coming up soon as well though. Now where is that game? Oh, you're putting putting me under the gun here. I I want to say it's at Niagara because I believe, but I could be very very wrong with that. Let me let me consult the our crack research team, and it is at Niagara on December sixth. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to discuss that game as it as it, as it approaches a month think, from now. I think St. Bonaventure is going to have a good season this year. Although we'll the see. game isn't at the Riley Center, so that's always a that's always a plus for any visiting team. Correct. Yes, yes. All right, Nick. Well, you feel good about this one? I feel good about it, Bill. All right. But we feel but, good about the other ones too. That's right. Well, we should feel good about them all. That's so <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for joining us. Uh you can always email us at Buffalo Pressbox at gmail.com. If you have a question you'd like us to answer or something to talk about, uh, give us a review, tell your friends, and uh, thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm.